You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, everybody? It's Matt Wilson, host of the Live Different Podcast. And today we are here with Monsel Denton. And he is the founder of a website called Neutropedia. And I'm really excited to talk to him uh, about his story, how we can enhance our own brains increase our cognitive function and live all around better lives just uh, not only through the topic of nootropics and things that we can ingest uh, but also maybe different practices uh, Monsel that you have I was reading up a little bit and it looks like on your Instagram you have some crazy acro yoga stunts going on there uh, which I can assume that you'd have to be very present for unless that uh, unless you want that young lady to fall to her death over your head. Uh, I read a little bit about Vipassana meditation uh, that you were into, and I'm just looking forward to, to having a little chat. So, Masa, what's going on? Hey, it's good to be here. I think a lot of the things you've mentioned and you know some of the other practices that I have in my life are kind of indicative of kindred spirits. So I'm sure you know all the things that you've picked up from from the various readings that you've done are, are kind of little clues that you and I and hopefully many people in your audience would get along really well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to just sharing some things that people can, can use to uh, create better lives for themselves. Uh, I, I want to ask how you got into all of this stuff? I mean, nootropics in general. Actually, could could we start by just defining what a nootropic actually is for people who have not heard of this before? Yeah, well, a, a nootropic in the classic, uh, you know, strict definition is any substance, whether it's a synthetic or natural compound, that improves markers of cognitive performance, whether it's memory, processing speed, and has a reduction in the side effects or, you know, there aren't any side effects usually associated with nootropics. So the rigid definition typically doesn't include caffeine, it doesn't include modafinil, um, and some of the other popular drugs. But as far as I'm concerned, I kind of lump them all in together for a more beginner audience just to conceptually understand, you know, these are supplements that are improving your mental performance in some way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot we can talk about uh, in regards to that. How did you get into this topic? Yeah, how, how did you get into it? Well, it was kind of a combination of personal interest and business opportunity. I, and we can get a little bit more into to the backstory of, and the details, but I went through some legal problems and I was arrested when I was younger and it was very clear to me at that point that I had to make a change in the way that I approach life, my daily routine, the things that I was creating in the world. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a progression that was, 
it, it started in small steps. Obviously, you know, first I wanted to make sure I got my, my diet and exercise routine correct. And then that, you know, led into certain psychology aspects and business aspects that I was learning about. And it was really all just part of this process of improving myself. Kind of, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the self-improvement genre per se, as there's a lot of, you know, connotations and cliches associated with it. But in this effort to improve myself, I stumbled upon nootropics and the idea that I could, you know, tweak and, and supplement my, uh, my diet in order to improve my mental performance, help me, you know, make better decisions, but also just do work more effectively. Uh, that was really appealing to me. And so I was interested in nootropics out of personal interest and uh, for my own use, but I found that there was a lot of really shady people in the industry. I mean, I think oftentimes nootropics are even worse than just the supplement industry, which is bad enough. And then on top of that, there was just a lot of safety concerns, people that were, you know, exhibiting really risky behavior with nootropics. And I wanted to provide an outlet to hopefully, uh, you know, make it safer for people. And, um, you know, I started a business in the nootropics industry five years ago. I sold that. And I started Nutropedia about a year ago, but pretty much my adult career has been in nootropics with an effort to make it safer for the end consumer. Okay, awesome. I'm really glad to hear about safety. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I have not uh, looked too hard into nootropics myself. Yes, I do just about everything that I possibly can uh, to increase in increase my cognitive function, whether it is hacking my sleep uh, or my mitochondria in general. Uh, we can talk about different antioxidants uh, that can be used. Diet, of course, eating lots of high fats. I eat tons of fish oil. I have, right before this, I had a uh, some wild-caught salmon um, in, in jerky form. I mean, all these things are things that I've really looked into, but it gets a little scary when you think of uh, nootropics, so I'm excited to talk to you about that. I wanted to go back a little bit uh, to your journey, and not to harp on it too much, but it sounds like uh, from what you can read out there and from what you just alluded to, you must have gone through a, a lot of suffering in, in your life to be able to... Uh, really become the person who you are today. I've watched a handful of videos. You just told me that you were off of a uh, ayahuasca retreat. And, you know, when you meet people who are on, on a path, really looking inward, are really looking to improve themselves, a lot of times there's an engine behind that that, uh, that drives them, that really is there's a reason behind all of that. And uh, yeah, as a teenager, uh, for example, you know, I had my ups and downs. Absolutely. My parents got divorced. I got into, I started to get, in, get into a lot of trouble. Um, my grades started to slip, you know, 
this was not the this was not the 15 through 8 or you know even 14 through 18 year old uh you know angry mentality that most parents want their kids to go into and i came out of that realizing okay i really need to start to make changes but it wasn't until maybe 20 for 25 that I started to really look into that okay maybe I shouldn't be uh, drinking and partying so out of control and crazy so could you take us back a little bit uh, to to maybe some suffering that you've gone through or really uh, when you think back what that maybe uh, flame is inside of you maybe you've discovered that through through ayahuasca or had a chance to really look at that yeah well that's it's it's such a, a can of worms to really unpack some of the behaviors that I, you know, engaged in when I was younger. I think pro- probably for anybody who has a level of introspection, it's like we can work on things for years and only realize our motivations and what was driving us for, you know, things that we had done many, many years ago. And when it comes to, you know, some of the, the, the pain that I struggled with, it was in high school, I really had, I just felt like an outsider. And I think that's probably common among many people. And I don't want to, you know, paint any pictures about how privileged I was because, you know, I lived an upper middle class life by all accounts, very provided for. And I'm very grateful for my upbringing. But, you know, some things that were hard for me was I grew up in, you know, a 95% white neighborhood. And they were very wealthy. Many times the, the people ha- were, you know, friends for generations. And, and I, here I was with an immigrant parent. And I didn't really like physically fit in. I am darker. I'm, you know, what many of even my friends co- considered like a minority. And I think that kind of kept creeping into my subconscious this this feeling of inferiority in in relation to to you know people at my school. And then I think the other really big component for me was I have a a condition called hyperhidrosis, which basically means that I sweat consistently. And, you know, going into high school with sweaty hands and sweaty underarms and everything, it was just, it was consistently so challenging that I ended up never really engaging much with women. And I didn't have any girlfriends, I didn't kiss any girls, didn't have sex with any girls all the way through high school. And there's a lot of, you know, stereotypes and and conditioning around what it means to be a man in in the modern world. Sure. And for a big part of, of my upbringing, there was this nagging feeling that I wasn't doing it right, that I wasn't a man enough because I hadn't had sex. And this was a it was a it was a fear and it was an anxiety driven motivator to do some of the things that I did like you know get a re- I I basically stole documents from a museum so that I could go to Europe and be with a woman that was in Switzerland and so it was very much motivated by this fear that I wasn't loved that I wasn't going to be able to 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 be with somebody and uh, you know I I went to Europe I spent time with her and um, 
when I came back, I was arrested and I still hadn't really put piece that together, but I knew then after being arrested that there was a, there was a catalyst there that had to kind of motivate me in a different direction. So, you know, I spent a few years working on myself, doing a Vipassana meditation retreat in that time, really working on what my, you know, resistance was to speaking with women, to, you know, running my own business and basically improving myself as best as possible. But it wasn't until I was 24, about four years later, when I actually went to prison. And this was something that was kind of unexpected, but I ended up going for six months and that completely changed uh, my trajectory. It basically, you know, it, it just matured me much quicker. It sped up so many aspects of my development as a person. And so I'm incredibly grateful for it. But of course, it was challenging to, you know, lose all my freedom, to lose all my possessions and, and basically be in a situation where I was was challenged on a daily basis, but I had to, you know, surrender to the experience that I was in. Um, and so, I mean, that that you know, that's kind of the the ups and downs that came with those those basic insecurities as a as a child. And you know, what, it's funny because this ayahuasca retreat that I just went on, and a lot of the work that I have been doing over the past year has been focused on how do I create from a place of love and being fulfilled myself as opposed to creating out of fear and anxiety? Because I think that there's a number of people who are very successful in business, in whatever it is that they do, but the, their main motivation is fear and anxiety. How do I be successful enough that people love me, that I'm worthy, etc.? And I've been really you know, focusing lately on changing that motivation, even if the end result is the same, to be more focused on love and, and, you know, giving back from a whole place myself. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you for, for sharing those details and unpacking it. And, uh, that was, I, I didn't quite realize that, okay, you, uh, stole these documents at a, at a young age, but then you had all this time, where then, okay, it was decided to, uh, that you were actually going to go to prison. I didn't really, I don't know, I, I read up briefly about it, and of course it's not the topic of our, of our conversation, um, but that must have been incredibly stressful leading up to the time when you were actually sentenced, as, as I can imagine. It, it, did that change your whole perspective of how you grew up in your, your early 20s? I think I, to some degree was a little bit delusional thinking that I wasn't going to prison and that things would be okay because, you know, in that period I had really started an upward trajectory in my life. Like I, I went from getting arrested when I was 20 and living at home with my parents for a year, not going to college. You know, I couldn't go back to school right away. Didn't have a job was it was, uh, you know, I, it was a really, really dark time in my life. And over the course of those, you know, three and a half years before I went to prison, I managed to, you know, start doing freelance work and pay for, you know, moving out uh, to Austin. I 
I uh, used that to, to pay my way through school. So I finished up, got a degree at University of Texas, and I started a business. And so, you know, by all accounts, I was moving on from, from you know, that dark time. And unfortunately, the going to prison was just a, 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 a kind of another part of that cycle. You know, in cycles, we, we, in life, we kind of just go in an upward cycles, it's down and up and then down and up and hopefully the lows are higher each time and sure enough, going to prison was another low and set me back in a lot of ways, but it also really helped me grow, like I said. And, you know, at the time, I'm sure I felt a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, um, but looking back on it, and maybe this is just my own delusion and, and re revising what has happened in my life, but it, it really was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was, you know, it wasn't so long that it destroyed my confidence and my ability to do things, but it was just long enough to really wake me up and, and like I said, set me on a, a, on a much quicker trajectory. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool to hear. And uh, we talk about gaining those skills uh, in whatever aspect, wherever you are in your life, taking those skills to be able to do freelance work, to be able to create the situation around you that you want, uh, to be able to move to the city that you want, to be able to do things in life that, that you want. That's so important. So that's cool to hear that you know, you bounce back, uh, bounce back from that and you're using those skills and, and you've balanced them with the, uh, the skill set to be able to, uh, kind of, I didn't want to use the word balance again, but balance your, your inner world as well and reflect on, on those, uh, past experiences and, and make yourself into a, a better person. So that's, that's fantastic to hear about your, recovery uh from that and how you bounce back and how you've been able to to evolve um so i wanted to ask you then all right so you started uh maybe was it into meditation you mentioned diet and lifestyle take us take us along your progression a little bit more would you please yeah so you know once i got interested in diet and lifestyle it's funny how much all aspects of life are so interconnected and and I and I'm a really big proponent of taking that into the, the entire topic of cognitive enhancement as well so you know the first thing that that the first introduction to this world actually came for me in the space of digital marketing and this community of people uh, you know very influenced by Tim Ferriss's 4 hour work week who were taking the responsibility for themselves to create the life that they wanted. And, and, and very often that meant a lot of hard work. But there was a component there that was around self-responsibility and, and taking action. And it's funny because that same philosophy started to you know, come into my life when I started looking at certain, you know, like, how to meet women kind of, uh, you know, work. I, I, I hesitate to use the word pickup because I, I really never got much into the whole like using lines part. It was always more about how do you feel confident and centered in yourself to where you can just, you know, be natural with 
women or just be able to connect with them and relate with them. But there was also a component there of the self-responsibility to walk up to a stranger and start a conversation. And then, you know, obviously, so now we've got diet, we've got exercise, which are obviously really easy to see how they influence your, your mental state, but then also business and entrepreneurship and, you know, how to meet women and how to, you know, relate with the opposite sex. And they all really, really became intertwined with one another. And, and even to this day, I don't really separate them because there's a, a, a strong connection between you know the confidence that you that you may feel when it comes to the gym or when it comes to speaking with you know a member of the opposite sex or you know doing something really fantastic in your business and so the way that I progressed was just what are all these aspects of my life that I want to improve upon and how do I one take responsibility and two take action towards you know, achieving whatever goal it is. And so, I mean, it's, it's funny because a lot of people have a hard time making that connection between nootropics, like a supplement you take to improve your mental performance and some of the more esoteric or lifestyle, you know, things that I uh, espouse, but I really believe that they're, they're so indelibly linked that it's important. Yeah, I completely agree because for me personally, I'm not into uh, taking a pill for every ill, if you've maybe heard that expression. You know, in, in Western society and modern medicine, we get a little cough and we go to the doctor and we're like, uh, fix it, please, and aren't you going to give me a pill for that? And I'm, I, I'm really dead set against that type of mentality when there are so many things that you can do to... A, prevent getting the cough in the first place, but B, let your body naturally fight it and grow a resistance and grow a resilience uh, to these things. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more that if that I think uh, nootropics can be a part of being a well-rounded human. Uh, but to me, it's just one element. And so it's glad to hear that you're not just a... Uh, uh, data nerd who can spout off all of the studies that have been done on all of these different nootropics, but you've actually done the work yourself uh, and are continuing to do the work. It, it's not like it's, uh, it never ends. So yeah, I'm really appreciative of that. And I was going to, I was going to say, you know, I liked what you said about, okay, becoming uh, a confident man. Or becoming someone who is attractive, who is attractive to other people, and so I think that's super important. And in my own development, you mentioned okay, working out, being more confident in your body. Sure, I went from like a, a very scrawny teenager uh, to lifting a lot of weights and drinking a lot of any kind of alcohol. I was going to say beer, but it was whatever I could drink, and that. Uh, fueled me to be more confident, right, uh, with the opposite sex. But it wasn't that true confidence. Mm. It was more of a it was more of a facade. If you kind of think about, all right, well, yeah, you're big and bulky, and you got some muscles, and uh, you know you could 
push push somebody around uh, and that you might be more physically attractive. But I didn't think all that much about what was going on inside. And uh, you attract a certain type of partner when when that's your when that's your strategy when that's your style and, and I didn't know any better and that's fine and that's part of the development uh, and then once I started to okay not hang out in bars anymore and once I got into yoga or once I found a meditation practice or once I started uh, picking up the right books I thought okay the people who I'm surrounding myself aren't you know angry drunk meatheads anymore all of a sudden I'm hanging around a, a much higher quality of people with a much different type of confidence a, a more evolved type of confidence and uh, that really that that changed my dating life for sure so I'm glad that you mentioned that yeah I, I like I said it's just everything is so interconnected and I use my platform to educate people about nootropics and oftentimes at a very surface level people are interested in how do I increase focus and concentration or you know something equally as surface level but the way that I really approach my entire platform is to to, to meet them where they are and then take them deeper and to explore deeper within themselves because there's you know there's some people that it won't resonate with those are the kind of the data driven you know geeks and such but the the ideal scenario for me is to to live life well to learn about you know what that means and to have a fulfilling life is oftentimes not all about optimizing every single component of life um so yeah. that's kind of my philosophy. No, I completely agree. And that's interesting because the Silicon Valley types who are really looking for that limitless magic bullet that they're going to take and be able to crank out the code or crunch through the numbers or really be focused and, and cognitively uh, feel ingenious. Well, you might be able to get the, hook those people once they start to really see, oh, wait a second, uh, I might really cognitively be incredible, but the other parts of my life are really lacking. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's a great part of your, your, should I call it sales funnel or your, your hook, you know? So that, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's also important for me to feel in alignment with myself that I'm, showing them another way. I'm giving them those tools that they want to tweak and optimize as best as they can. And I'm giving them also a, a small dose of another perspective, which is just, you know, find out what's behind that. Have some moments where you look deeper within yourself and ask, why am I working 16 hour days? Is it because I'm avoiding something else in my life? Is it because I'm, you know, trying to prove myself in some way? And it's amazing the response that I've got because almost everybody is interested in these questions, especially the people who are interested in optimizing and getting better because it's a very thin line between getting better at work and getting better in life. And I hope the best I can to, to bridge that gap all the time, whether it's, a, you know, face-to-face -face conversation, podcast, my website, whatever the case may be. That's awesome. Um, Monsel, could you talk a little bit more about uh, 
ayahuasca for me, please. It's something that a lot of my guests have brought up, but I haven't uh, dove too deeply in it, uh, especially, of course, because it's something that people need to proceed with caution about. Uh, so could you talk to me a little bit more, especially because you are a, uh, a nootropic expert here? I've spoken personally about my experience on my friend Daniel DiPiazza's podcast, uh, and Rich 20-something is the name of his podcast. And we've had people who've, again, brought it up and talked about how, yes, these experiences were very life-changing. Uh, but maybe you could dive into eh, just a little bit of the science behind DMT, but also what you experienced on your, on your deep dive. Yeah. Well, ayahuasca is traditionally, it's a uh, entheogen, or hallucinogen that is native to South America. Uh, there's some archaeological evidence to suggest it's been used for over 20,000 years. So there's a long history of our ancestors, uh, specifically the indigenous people of South America, using this. And the term ayahuasca, it's kind of a, uh, a Hispanic alteration of a, a native Quechua term. Yeah, it's a Quechua it, word, right? Right. But it, it translates uh, essentially to the vine of souls or vine of the spirit. And it's, you know, from an experiential perspective, I'll get into the science a little bit more, uh, you know, later on, but from an experience perspective, it is something that is so powerful for, you know, understanding your own soul or understanding what is a soul what does it mean and what is what is this connection to god or the universe or the divine and source uh you know i'm not a religious person by any stretch you know both my parents i never walked into a church except for a marriage so i have very little religious indoctrination but after experiencing ayahuasca it's the closest i've ever felt to God to this divine connection to both myself in a spiritual sense, but also to, uh, you know, something greater than myself. And it's, as science continues, I think we'll understand more about why that interaction happens in the brain. But as, but for now, it's really just something that you have to experience in order to fully understand. And, uh, you know, that being said, you know, transitioning into kind of the, the safety component. Monsal, is, I, I actually, could you just real quick talk about what the, talk about the experience as in, okay, this is something that you, it's a sacred plant medicine that you sit with the shaman in the ceremonial uh, fashion and that it's, uh, it's a psychedelic experience, just in case someone hasn't really heard about it. Yeah. So that, I mean, that component is what, where I was going is the most important in my opinion. Um, the psychoactive substance that is the entheogen, hallucinogen, etc. That is, it's very important to get the right, you know, type of, or in the right source of ayahuasca. But the ceremonial aspect, the shaman aspect of it, is just as important, if not more so. And usually, the objective is to create a kind of a sacred space in order to have this traditional ceremony and that space usually is is very ritualistic it's rooted in many traditions in south america but also you know brings in other types of traditions and the objective is to really 
create a safe space so that anybody who's going to do the medicine is it feels comfortable because the you know what some of your audience who might have experience with LSD or psilocybin might not realize is ayahuasca is, is it is work in a different sense it's oftentimes more challenging oftentimes ayahuasca will make you confront things about yourself about the world that are maybe more scary um and 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 dark even you know and i think it's important to have a safe container and a safe space where you trust the shaman you trust people involved and where you are uh in order to make the experience as fruitful as possible because only with that trust can you go deeper within your own psyche and and kind of have that vulnerability with with the medicine so that context is incredibly important and I got very lucky with with my you know recent ceremonies that I did because I was with uh, twelve men, so it was a men's only retreat. Uh, I think at least six or seven of them I knew very like very close friends, uh, and we did it with a shaman that had a lot of skill in creating a safe container. He was you know musically inclined, so the the music during the ceremony was was. Uh, you know, it added a, a specific element to the experience. Um, but, you know, anybody who is looking to do ayahuasca or interested in ayahuasca, I think it's important to realize that component that the shaman and the space is as important, if not more so, than the medicine itself. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as it has become commercialized in recent years you know i've i've traveled many times to peru um and yeah there you'll see it being people trying to sell you a ayahuasca trip on the streets and you need to be very very careful about who you go with again the set and setting um best to have a referral from someone who you really know and and trust uh and yeah just it's always even, I guess maybe this would even segue into supplements and nootropics and these type of things, or even any diet. Look, people, this is, this is, these are things that are becoming commercialized, uh, where ayahuasca has been used for thousands and thousands of years, right? Uh, just as some, uh, chaga tea or, or medici medicinal mushrooms or certain foods that have been uh, shown to be very healthy or be able to put your brain in a, in a higher state of functioning. Uh, but as these things become commercialized, you need to always be questioning the intentions behind them, um, which is, yeah, it's just so important. I can't stress that, that point enough. Yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll kind of jump a little bit into the, the experience that I had Please. In, the, in the past few days, I, you know, it's funny that we had talked, we already chatted a little bit about my experience with uh, or feeling uh, inferior and, and being unable to attract women and, or feel like I could connect with women. And obviously I worked through a lot of those challenges in, in life and for the past almost two years I was in a relationship with wonderful woman who I'm you know still very fond of but four days before I went on the ayahuasca retreat her and I separated 
And it was, it was amazing and very kind of a synchronous moment that I obviously still have things to look at as far as my fear of abandonment with, with my relationships with women. And of course, the universe had me abandoned four days before going on this retreat. And so my experience was was quite dark and it was quite deep. It was a lot of um, you know, working through emotions, not just from the relationship itself, but also past traumas, things from my childhood that I remembered that, you know, may have led to the, the type of person that I am. And I, I want to make it really clear for your audience that this concept of processing emotions, of, of working through like challenging psychological trauma, et cetera, et cetera, it's not just an esoteric thing that you know people talk about when they do ayahuasca there's evidence uh, there's a study that did you know fmri brain scans and showed that people who are doing ayahuasca have certain regions of the brain that are associated with processing emotions that are very very active while using ayahuasca. So it, it, it really is from a neurochemical perspective, it's an opportunity to really, really look at some of those things that, you know, never have a chance to come out. And I, I'm relatively in touch with my emotions, so I cry plenty. But there's some people who, you know, especially males who just don't feel that they can, they just don't feel. And so they don't cry and so they don't work through the emotions and so it builds up and it becomes this like scar tissue of of unresolved trauma and emotions and that goes forward with you and that affects everybody negatively and so i think that's been one of the most powerful aspects of ayahuasca is that it, it can so readily help people to process emotions in ways that you know, nothing else that i've experienced can no that that's fantastic and um you know, I'm not, I'm no expert by any means in psychedelics, but you mentioned before psilocybin, uh, which are magic mushrooms or, or LSD, uh, things like this are holotropic breathing, right? Certain breathing, uh, exercises that you can do, kundalini yoga, all of these things, I believe, uh, what they may actually be able to activate DMT, the, the, hyper the active molecule in your own brain at least i know that's the case with holotropic breathing and i, I believe uh kundalini yoga as well i'm not sure about lsd and psilocybin but the point is here that i'm trying to make is there are natural ways that you can be able to to do this uh in fact uh, and in no way do i try to wear this as a, as a thing of ego but i've had you probably even more powerful experiences through meditation as I've had on, on my own ayahuasca journey. And so, and it's just what it means to you at that moment. Um, you know, that was, it was a very opening time for me and uh, where ayahuasca for me was just very affirming. And, um, and that's how I took it personally and conceptualized it and tried to put it into words where it's so difficult to, to uh, eloquently tell someone about this type of experience. But uh, uh, again, just to say that these, these are things uh, that 
are, are of course to be used in, in a controlled setting, but are used with intention. And so it's not uh, sure some people take LSD and go to Burning Man or whatever, but that's not that's not the same thing that that's not the same ceremonial setting, the same um, therapeutic setting as we're talking about where you go with intention and you say, hey, there's some things that I would like to work out or I'd, uh, I'd like to n know more about myself and I'm open to whatever mother ayahuasca or the universe brings my way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating subject. Really interesting to hear, hear your experiences, Monsal. Yeah. And I, I'll, there's another component to it that I want to, you know, make clear, which is people can do ayahuasca without the DMT. So they mm -hmm. can actually see a lot of benefits from just using the ayahuasca vine. And to kind of break it down a little bit, the, uh, in a traditional brew, there's the ayahuasca vine, and then there's the chacruna leaves. And the chacruna leaves are typically where the, the, the DMT comes from. Uh, and the the vine, the ayahuasca vine, is actually, you know, it's full of alkaloids. And these specific alkaloids, some of them are called harmine and harmaline. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that both of them improve neurological growth in the brain. So new brain cells, uh, you know, are developed. And there's some evidence to suggest that it actually clears some of the, the beta amyloid plaques that are uh, that cause Alzheimer's wow. disease and Parkinson's disease. And there's uh, you know a number of other studies around you know how it influences intelligence. Uh, and so really, I think that there's a, a good argument for people who, want to avoid, you know, the, the DMT, or they maybe want to step into uh, the the process of ayahuasca in a, a less intense manner, uh, to, you know, to, to just microdose the non-DMT version of ayahuasca can actually have a ton of benefits. And in a more spiritual kind of esoteric way, it can actually connect people to ayahuasca, the plant medicine, uh, and prepare them for the actual deep dive, you know, ceremony, if that's something that's interesting to them. So, you know, a project I'm working on right now is organizing a space similar to the one that I received, where people can can do a microdosing regimen for a few months before a big ceremony f over a few days. And so that way, they're kind of uh, you know, working on things. It's a longer term process. They get acclimated to the medicine. They, you know, they go through different journaling and intention setting exercises, et cetera, so that, that when they have that big day uh, or big, you know, few days, it's it's a little bit more impactful. So, yeah, just, you know, I, I think the holotropic breathing, the other alternatives besides the, the ayahuasca, it's important to realize that, that they're available. That's really cool. I didn't know that about uh, using ayahuasca without DMT. Uh, yeah, I think that's very interesting, especially because Alzheimer's is a, is a very big topic of interest to me. My grandfather, who's now 90 years old, uh, he has Alzheimer's and he is still incredibly fit. He is in great physical condition, but he just has almost no mental capacities. You know, he, the poor guy can't go to the bathroom by himself. Um, so yeah, always something that I'm looking to prevent, of course. Um, I, I wanted to, to change 
uh, change up maybe the uh, the pace a little bit and talk to you about some of the other things that people can implement in their own lives, uh, starting, I think, with diet. I wanted to hear if you have any recommendations. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're a fan of a more ketogenic diet and, and a higher fats, of course, good fats. Uh, that's what I like to follow personally, but I have no idea uh, what you do. So I'm, I'm curious how you optimize uh, your physical, mental, and, and we can loop in spiritual in, into all of that. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say I follow the ketogenic diet per se, but definitely on a similar train. I, uh, I eat lots of healthy fats and I, uh, you know, protein is, is something that's really uh, important to me and not just from the like bodybuilder protein powder sense, but I mean, harvesting the protein myself so i'm i'm really getting into bow hunting and harvesting you know deer and and different foods myself so i uh you know i'm really into lean you know type game meats and but yeah my my i think that 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 kind of a, a lifestyle that's more simplistic and in, in the food uh, aspect is is really helpful i'm, I'm eating a lot of fish every week. I think that's a really big thing that people miss is just how important fish is. Even if you take fish oil, um, there's just, you know, benefits of actually eating fish. So, uh, you know, I, I try not to, to, to go to harp too much on diet because I think in reality it should be as l less complicated as possible, which means just, you know, try and eat like we did 20,000 years ago and as few ingredients as possible and don't eat all the time. I mean, I'm a big proponent of fasting. So I uh, have 24 hours where I just don't eat anything. Most of the time I just don't eat breakfast in the morning. Um, and I think that fasting is one of the, the best dietary changes that I've, I've made in my life because it just makes me so much more flexible and my brain works far better when I don't have any food in my system. That, that's really cool to hear. And, and when I changed, you know, I mentioned uh, ketosis and, uh, of course, for people maybe who haven't heard about it all, already, we're talking about a high level of, of good fats, as uh, Mansell was talking about, uh, but also a very low carb where you're not eating lots of breads and pastas and, uh, yeah, high carb stuff that's... I mean, most people just know that those things aren't good for you uh, in general, but they have a really severe impact on your cognition. Back to Alzheimer's, a lot of the experts are talking about how this is type 3 diabetes is what they're calling Alzheimer's now. And so, uh, but I've noticed that once I started eating lots of good fats, that I could go longer without eating because when I was fueled up on carbs and protein all of the time because I thought that's what an athletic person was supposed to eat, I would feel my moods and my emotions and my uh, cognitive function and just my physical energy just go up and down, up and down like a yo-yo, someone like someone probably on a yo-yo diet. And so mm. can you talk a little bit more about uh, intermittent fasting and why that might help your cognition? Yeah, well, I mean, for the for, I mean, first thing is fasting of any sort 
is going to help with insulin sensitivity and just managing blood sugar levels. So even if someone were to, you know, go on fasting regimens, but they didn't really care what they ate, they ate breads and pastas and everything, they would probably have better blood sugar levels than someone who ate all those unhealthy foods all the time. So fasting is, it's really what I call an easy win because it, it can so powerfully impact blood sugar and uh, insulin levels uh, simply through timing alone. And those things are really important for cognition because like you said, that, that's the spikes and, and the peaks and valleys associated with cognitive performance is this huge injection of glucose or sugar into our bloodstream, which the brain loves to use as energy for a while, but then eventually it dips and the body is you know, struggling to reacclimate. And so it's just too inconsistent to, you know, continually have that that process. Now, another thing that I I haven't personally looked into the science too well, but it, it makes a lot of sense, um, is you know our stomach actually, in order to digest food, consumes a lot of our body's resources and energy and like focus. So our body, as soon as you eat food, our body is starting to look inwards at this new material and break it down and like focus on all that, you know. So it, it's a it's very like inward process uh, when we eat food, and that can really detract just from our body's ability to focus on the task at hand because half of our you know our our head brain might be focused on a specific task. But our stomach, part of our body, is more focused on another task, which is digesting food. And the brain and the body are not as separate as we'd like to believe. So, you know, when you're eating, you're going to be a part of your body is going to be focused on that. And then there's also the evolutionary component to it, which is just if you, you know, rewind thousands of years ago in a traditional hunter gatherer setting, if you hadn't eaten something and you needed food, how focused were you going to be on the work or in that case, the hunt, the practice of hunting or searching for food? You're going to be very focused because you need to get the food. And the same thing applies today. If you're fasting, you're going to be more focused from an evolutionary perspective because you're, you're, you're looking for food. And Granted, there's some you know trickery going on because you, you, you doing some marketing thing in your in your business is not going to actually translate to food, but the same thing applies, and that's how we can use evolutionary psychology to kind of win, use it to our advantage, as opposed to always you know just having these programs running on on default causing problems. So, yeah, there's the, that's just a few of the the scientific and and more evolutionary psychology reasons why fasting is is so powerful for mental performance. That's interesting. I had never heard that evolutionary theory about if you're hungry, you're going to be more focused because you are focusing on your next meal. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I had never heard that. But a lot of this, you know, intermittent fasting had been a method developed by by cancer doctors uh, to be able to help people literally clean out their their own cells. I think the um, 
auto autophagy, I think, is the the name of the process that your your cells actually go through. So, from an anti aging perspective, uh, it's it's what everybody seems to be talking about. And I'll be curious in in five to ten years. Hopefully, they're they're still talking about it. We've gone from it being smarter to have six meals a day, like I used to eat now, and they're talking about have one or two meals a day. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's really cool. Matzel, Matzel, I wanted to uh, go down the list a little bit and ask you um, about, well, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the most important? Uh, let's pick Let's pick three supplements for someone on a budget that if they just want to uh, be, feel better overall, physically, mentally, what would you tell them to try out? Good question. I, I would say the first one that has the most evidence, you know, somebody's really interested in, in an evidence-based approach, super safe approach to getting involved with nootropics. Um, I would say Bacopa Monieri is probably the, the best place to start. There's a ton of research on it and it improves uh, a, a many different markers of cognition like memory and reduces anxiety, improves cognitive performance like on tests. And it is also very safe. It's, it's a Ayurvedic herb. It's been used for thousands of years in India especially if you get a specific brands like Synapsa or Bacognize. Those are specific uh, extraction methods that are very safe, that are free from heavy metals, etc. So you, you know um, that it's you know, doing more good than harm. And so that would be the first choice. Although most people who take Bacopa, they don't experience anything right away. It's kind of a, takes a while to build up. It's going to be working kind of in the background, but it is, uh, you know, a very efficient way to, 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 you know, do something, uh, in the nootropic space. I would say number two is probably fish oil, high, high dose EPA and DHA, uh, specifically look for products that are molecularly distilled again, to avoid impurities and heavy metals, but you know, getting a dosage of a thousand uh, milligrams of DHA and maybe 500 milligrams of EPA is pretty standard and very effective for you know reducing inflammation, improving the omega three to omega six ratios, and that will help both physically and cognitively. So I, I think that's a really you know good place to start. And the third option, it's real. It's that's kind of a tough one to say. I would like to get into, you know, some of the the new newer stuff. But I think really, as far as nootropics are concerned, uh, a combination of caffeine and L-theanine is one of the best beginner nootropics. Most people have experience with caffeine. They drink coffee sometimes too much coffee and often what happens with with caffeine is that it it increases focus and concentration but it actually decreases some other aspects of cognition and it comes with its own side effects you know jittery energy like anxiety etc and so combining it with l-theanine which is an amino acid found in green tea can 
negate many of those side effects of caffeine. So it can avoid the, the jittery, you know, energy, it can reduce heart rate, blood pressure, and the combination of the two has been very well studied. It's probably one of the most well-studied combinations of substances within the nootropic world, and it is relatively simple to get started, and it's a, you know, uh, safer option as well. So I'd say those are, you know, three really simple and safe ways for people to get started with nootropics. Okay, cool. And I wanted to actually put this into perspective about the, the fish oil. Well, first of all, and very important to say, do not go to CVS or Walmart or Target and buy your fish oil. Please buy the most high quality fish oil that you can possibly afford uh, or don't take it at all if you can't buy the I in fact I take krill oil from uh, I think it's from Jaro J-A-R-R-O-W um, and I forget who that came highly recommended from but important to go uh, as top of the top shelf as you can on that because otherwise if those oils spoil, it's basically like going to McDonald's uh, and popping popping little McDonald's pills of uh, of spoiled oils, which is is basically, uh, as I understand, is what they're pretty much putting in the fryer and with French fries. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I wanted to to point that out. Um, so I have actually been supplementing with fish oil myself because I eat fish. You might laugh, but almost at every meal. Um, so I eat a lot of smoked salmon. I eat a lot of sardines. I eat a lot of anchovies. Um, it's packed in water and not olive oil. Even though it tastes way better to have the olive oil, that olive oil is also spoiled. Guaranteed it's, it's unfit for human consumption because, you know, you need the freshest you need the freshest oil. It can't be something that's sat in the sun or been on a truck or in a warehouse for, for months, like probably most packaged. Uh, I'm talking about eating a lot of canned fish here. Um, and the reason that, of course, I, I do that is because it's very, uh, those specific fish are very low uh, in heavy metals, which is a whole nother topic that we can get into. But you can just, I suggest that anybody just do their own research and, and look this stuff up. Um, but I went and I had my, my pack of wild caught sardines this morning and, uh, or I guess, yeah, I was putting it in my lunch and I looked and it said that there were about 1100, must've been milligrams of EPA and DHA in a can of sardines uh and is well yeah wild caught packed in water um and so that's that's really cool to hear that that is very close to what your recommendation is to take uh every day so i wanted to point that out for for people and i wanted to ask you do you think i'm going about it the the right way and and of course trying to eat from as many natural sources as possible absolutely the more natural you can go the better um, I definitely find that higher dose fish oil can be uh, effective. I'm, I guess I'm pro-experimentation in that regard. So there's actually a protocol for people who have traumatic brain injury, which is like 10 grams of fish oil in supplementation form every day, which Whoa. is a lot. Okay. And, uh, I'm actually going to do that protocol in December with a couple of omega-3 tests 
and see what that does for me and see kind of cognitively what that does, et cetera. So it's kind of a personal experimentation of mine. But that is to say, uh, I don't think that there's huge risks with going above and beyond the, the recommendation that I've provided. That's kind of a base level. And so if you were to eat a lot of fish and then supplement with fish oil as well, I think it would be fine. You might want to you know, check your omega-3 levels and see where you are, but my inclination is that it's, it's probably a healthy uh, you know, option that you've, you've, you've gone for. And um, yeah, I think, I think you're doing, as far as the fish is concerned, you're doing everything right. Okay, nice. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Uh, and also very interesting. I'll be I'll be curious uh, about that traumatic brain injury experiment uh, that you do and how that turns out. Uh, we have a doctor in common, actually, Dr. Andrew Hill, uh, based out in LA with the Peak Brain Institute. I was just out there for the last week training with him getting into neurofeedback. Uh, I haven't talked too much about this on the podcast, well, because I literally just, just got back from this, but I saw that you went out there, got a QEEG done. Um, I think it lo- the picture of you looked like it was at uh, the Peak Brain Institute. Yeah. Um, and so on my QEEG, it showed that potentially uh, as a child, I did have uh, some type of traumatic brain injury, heading a soccer ball, falling out of bed, whatever it could have, whatever it could have been. Um, and you can kind of see it on the this brain scan where there was an impact here and then an impact here. And there's actually probably scar tissue built up in these two different places. And off the top of my head, I can't, uh, I can't describe those specific area of the brain and, and how they may be uh, affecting my cognitive performance now. Um, but where was I even, where was I even going with it? Ah, the fish oil. Yes. <laughs> so of, of course, well, actually I'll, I'll share with you this, uh, Mansell. I had no idea, but apparently I am not diagnosed as ADD or ADHD, but all signs point to my attention test being in the very low, uh, very far away from all of my peers at my age, they say if you had a, a bell curve, uh, Dr. Hill told me, I'd be in just this bottom little corner for attention, uh, ADH, ADHDPI, primarily inattentive, uh, sounds insulting, like I'm never paying attention, but uh, these are things now that I have data on that I can work to, to hack, especially that old brain injury. Dr. Hill mentioned to me that, hey, uh, if you're really tired in the late afternoon and your brain just seems to uh, go to shit, I guess these are my words and not his, uh, but, you know, and a lot of people suffer with this, but that may be due to a, to old traumatic brain injury. Um, yeah, how was your experience with Dr. Hill? I'm, I'm curious to chat about that for, for a couple minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we'll have to do a, a part two because I got to run here in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But, but uh, my experience with Dr. Hill was was very specific, and what I was doing was uh, seeing basically how my brain looked uh, with a baseline. And I had a very similar experience to you. Is I was primarily inattentive, I had that kind of um, what he called browning out. 
Uh, and then uh, when I went in the second day, I went with a, a nootropic called phenylparastam, which is uh, kind of a, a, a high-powered nootropic, um, improves like flow states, etc. And the the difference was huge. And it was really, it was part of the documentary that I created to show that nootropics do work, especially when you look at, you know, brain mapping and stuff like that. And so it was, it was really specific to to you know film a, a specific portion which was showing that nootropics work but dr hill was uh you know really instrumental in identifying all the little different nuances that changed with the phenylparastam in my system and and you know we're talking like subtle markers of flow states and creativity uh you know increased focus and concentration kind of uh, in very nuanced ways that he described it. So he he's a, a great resource. I didn't do a lot of neurofeedback. I actually had the idea when you said it, like, hey, I need to speak with him and fly out there and do some more. But um, what I did there was kind of diagnose uh, the difference or kind of test the difference between no nootropics and this specific nootropic. That, that's awesome. Actually, our friend in common who introduced us, Brandon Epstein, went out there to do a uh, QEEG before he used cannabis and a QEEG after he used cannabis. And one of the findings from that was his brain actually worked better and corrected some of his old football injuries, his brain injuries, and he could he actually saw cognitive performance. Uh, so really interesting man I, I know you got to run here in a minute we're going a little over I, I feel like we need to uh, definitely do a part two but just wanted to to have you if you could leave our audience with it you know it doesn't have to be specific to nootropics uh, but just overall if people are looking to improve their life, if you had one piece of advice for them, I know it's hard to wrap it all up into uh, into one piece of advice, but whatever whatever comes to mind, please share it with them and, and leave them with a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is now what comes up for me immediately is this component of loving yourself. And I mean truly like make a practice to love yourself and it sounds odd but go to a mirror and say i love you to the mirror and and experience how bizarre it might feel to some people to hear those words in a mirror and that's an in indicator of just how hard we are on ourselves and it doesn't matter how many nootropics you take, how good all these little tweaks and optimization things you do. If you don't have this like positive version of yourself that you feel confident in, it's not going to matter. And it's definitely going to cause problems down the line. So really get grounded in the fact that whoever you are, whatever you are, you are perfect the way that you are. Love yourself in the unique way that you are. And use that as a as a, a a platform to go forward because that's the only sustainable and fulfilling way to do so. Very well said. This is Monsel Denton and Matt Wilson signing out. You are the founder of 
Neutropedia. Will you spell that real quick and let anybody else know where they can find you online if they'd like to connect with you? Absolutely. Go to uh, N-O-O-T-R-O-P-E-D-I-A.com. That's Neutropedia. There's just a little quiz if you want to you know, find out something specific to your mental performance. And then I've got an entire email series full of free stuff. There's a cheat sheet. There's a documentary, 30-minute documentary that I mentioned that is free to watch. So I encourage people to, to just go get a basic introduction to nootropics that way. And uh, you can just always hit reply to any of those emails and contact me directly. Sounds like a plan, Mustin. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that past episode. If you are looking to put these things into practice, I invite you to come next July to Peru and Machu Picchu with me and my girlfriend, Luz Garcia, a 1,500-hour registered yoga teacher for an amazing retreat that we are putting on. If you would like more information, check out under30experiences.com and find yoga and Peru. We would love to connect with you further. We have some amazing community events coming up on under30experiences.com. And no, uh, you don't just have to be under 30 years of age. We are an inclusive community rather than an exclusive community. And finally, if you are on the same mission as I am, I would love if you shared this episode with a friend, a friend who needs it, if you can support this podcast that would mean a whole lot to me share it subscribe leave me a five-star review on itunes i would love if you even did it just a little justice and give it a like on our new youtube channel those type of things go a long way in helping other people find great content that is going to help them live happier healthier lives so thank you guys for listening i really appreciate it if you'd like to connect with me, feel free to email me. Give me some feedback, matt at under30experiences.com or hit me up on social media, Matt Wilson TV on just about any social platform. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.